Welcome to Griplock Foundation's weekly disc golf podcast. I'm Trevor, joined with my co-host Connor today. Hey. And Silas is also here in studio. Hey. Um, <laughs> we haven't had to do this in a, a long time. I think we've only done it once. Uh, Hunter's on vacation. So This is going to be a dangerous episode. Yeah, we're running the show today, you know, and... We got a lot of cool things to talk about. We're going to recap the Portland Open. Got some interesting storylines to talk about. We're going to update the power rankings, which we did have Hunter's um, input sent to us. So we it's not just like my rogue power rankings this week. But first, we're going to get a quick word from our friends over at Manscaped. Gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner, and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all the father figures out there are looking good this June. Manscaped Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all of that old man hair from head to toe. That right here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. Get 20% plus free shipping with code GRIPLOCKED at manscaped.com. Trust me, his dad bod will thank you. Manscaped is designed with fathers in mind, and the Performance Package 4.0 is here just in time for your pop special day. Inside this package, he'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and hair, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver ball deodorant, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all those goodies. First off, let me start by saying the Lawnmower 4.0 will be the official MVP of Father's Day. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Their Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight he needs for a more precise shave. Does your dad use the same trimmer for his body and face? Let's throw that out the window and give him the upgrade he deserves. But wait, there's more. Manscaped just launched their brand new Boxers 2.0 that are, dare I say, the best boxers ever. They are pretty incredible. We all know dads love their comfort. With summer just around the corner, the Boxers 2.0 are here to save every father from the uncomfortable heat. These new boxers are packed with the revolutionary features, including the jewel pouch designed to cradle his boys in their own special place. This right here is a game changer. Whether he's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, or golfing in the sun, typical dad stuff, these moisture-wicking boxers breathe without breaking a sweat. Dads, buy this for yourself. Sons, buy this for you and your dad. Ladies, buy this for your man. And just remember, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with code GRIPLOCKED at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with and free shipping with code GRIPLOCKED at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Side note, I actually did get my dad the performance package 4.0 for Father's Day. And I found out yesterday that Father's Day hasn't happened yet. Yeah. I thought that I was giving him a late... For some, I think I replaced Mother's Day with Father's Day and I just figured that I missed it. And so I got it for him as a late Father's Day present and then found out yesterday I actually got it for him as an early Father's Day present. But either way, there you go. he said he likes it. it. All right, so Portland Open. We had uh, Portland Open going on this past weekend, four-day tournament with a cut after the third round. Um, really chopped the field up. It ended up being a pretty exciting event. Um, I think both the courses ended up doing well. Uh, early predictions were that the... First course, um, Blue Lake, I believe, was going to be like super scorable. There were a lot of people saying it was going to be kind of birdie or die golf. Uh, didn't play that way. It, it seemed that it was certainly like players were able to score out there, but nobody was, you know, running away with the course by any means. I think there was enough OB to keep it competitive out there. Um, and then let's go, let's go and call Brody out. Brody said that it was, that was the yeah, easy course. How did he do? Yeah. Well, I believe he, was like I think, tied for I think he went even six under. So like the first day he stunk the second day he played like what he would at least ex- 
hope to do. Yeah, you like um, birdied almost every. Birdie hole. ended up making the cut at the end of the day. So okay, you know, and well, he, there you, you go. know, I finished, think he finished in like thirty second. Um, but he made the cut. Like he did okay out there, especially because right. he set himself back. I just feel like since we talked so much about him saying that it was easy, we had to have. Well, a bit yeah, of he. Yeah. Like, it's funny because people were going back on the debate night comment section and uh, really giving it to him because like. He, when you, I mean, that. when you predict, when you predict, a course is going to be easy to score, and you don't, you don't score like that's yeah. tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, both courses. So then they went over to um, Glen Devere, I believe is how it's pronounced, uh, which is just a great name. Uh, it was the redesigned version of the golf course that they played last year. It was like the other side of the property. Um, from what I saw of that course, I, I got to watch a good bit of it. Um, looked pretty good to me. I. I think they did a better job this year of um, making tee shots a little more exciting. I think last year, yeah, like golf courses, the greens are always going to have a little bit of flair to them because you have the bunkers, uh, Mm -hmm. the mounds around the green that you can kind of use to your advantage to make those approach shots uh, a little more difficult. But I I think that last time the problem was all the tee shots were like, they almost like started with a little bit of trees, but then they were just like fairway after fairway. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they... They got a little more creative this year. There were some really cool holes that I saw, some really well-designed holes. So I think uh, the course looked good. Uh, it looked very pretty on camera. That is the one thing about golf courses. They're so well-manicured, and being in Portland, it's just, like, gorgeous up there. I was going to ask if it felt like... Because I, I didn't get to watch the tournament, but I've seen highlights from it because I, because I had other stuff going on this weekend. But uh, did it feel like other golf courses on tour? No, well, that is the one thing about uh, having an event in when you have a golf course that's in sort of a unique geographical location like Portland Uh and and Vegas has this advantage too. Um, because like, let's say when they play Emporia country club and don't get me wrong, Emporia country club is a well-designed course. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with it. Um, but it's just going to look like a golf course because there's nothing that crazy geographically about Kansas, right? It's that's true. Um, but when you're in Las Vegas in the desert or you're in Portland and there's giant trees and you Mm kind of have that, uh, Northwest, um, you know, climate and terrain, you get a little more, you have a chance to have a little more of a unique feel. So yeah, that makes sense. So it looked, it it looked really good. It's, it's a nice course. Uh, I thought, I thought it was designed pretty well. It seemed like it also played, played really well tournament wise. Uh, the scoring separation out there was, it was out there. Um, the leaderboard, the leaderboard was pretty junk. It's, it's also tough because like the field is so incomplete right now. No Ricky, uh, no Chris, um, and no Eagle. So it's, it's, it's weird looking at the leaderboard, seeing mm-hmm. like the names that are at the top. Cause like normally you look at a, a course that's new and like our, almost our litmus test is like, let's just see if those top guys that we know are the best rise towards the top. And as long as they're up there, you can, you know, unless something crazy happens, you're typically going to see the better players rise at the top, especially in a four round event. Yeah. Um, but you know, so it's a little bit different to gauge that right now, but I think that the courses seem to me like they, they played pretty fair. Um, but any, in any case, it ended up being quite a dramatic finish. So in the MPO, you had Simon Lazat, the red hot Simon Lazat. Um, and, and Garrett Gerthy kind of broke out of the pack as well. And they were kind of going into the last round. They were the two that were going to be the ones that everybody kind of had to track down. I believe Simon 
uh, may have had a couple strokes on double G going into the last round, but like Isaac Robinson on that lead car was a few back. Paul was like mm-hmm. five back and everybody was, of course, as soon as Paul gets into that key spot that he's always in, like five strokes back the lead on the lead card, people just start assuming he's going to come back and win. But really what happened was Simon and double G kind of pulled away and it just kind of became a two man race pretty quick. Um, they like the lead kind of went back and forth, but they were staying pretty tight Double G makes a really nice putt on 16. Uh, they both par 17, and then we go into hole 18 all tied up. Um, so the scene is set, hole 18. Now, I'm going to get into the broadcast after. Like We kind of like, like to give our little thoughts on the broadcast later, but they did mess up on hole 18, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> um, not even what I just showed you. There was another thing. I can't wait. Um, but... So hole 18, par five, if you saw it, you kind of know what we're dealing with, but it's like you're throwing your drive straight over some water and then it dog legs like straight right. There's some mandos involved, some OB left and right and a tree line. Um, Double G and Simon both throw their drives inbounds. Double G has a chance potentially uh, to go for it if he wanted. He's probably like 440 out. That's well within his range, but it's still risky. Simon, on the other hand, is 540 out. He's like they measured it with like the Bushnell whatever mm-hmm. distance they have it at five forty four. Well, right, I forget what they call it. On oh, it's the like their broadcast, segment. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's like five forty four is the number they flash below, and you're like, I know this is Simon, but like Simon is pretty safe these days. He's gonna play for birdie because even playing for birdie, like that should be plenty. Like, yeah, uh, going for eagle for double G would be pretty crazy. He picks up a PD two and tries to go for it, and like I, I couldn't believe it. I got excited because I was like, I just love seeing stuff like this. Yeah. Uh, and he throws it, he overturns it and he goes out of bounds, probably about a hundred feet shy of the basket. And at this point, problem number one with the broadcast, they start, they just literally go and that's it right there. Like, like Ian Anderson sounded like his, it was his son that had just thrown that shot. Like he was distraught. <laughs> he was like, he was like, Oh my, like, why would he do that? Like, I just don't understand. Like, blah, blah. And it's like, all right, like, okay. But then, uh, and they're like, well, it's over. Like they just, he just handed it to double G like it's over now. Double G just needs to play up for birdie and that's it. Like they, it was so over in their minds. And I'm like, double G still has to throw two good shots, like solid forehand shots. And his yeah. forehand is his weakness of his game. And then make a putt for birdie. Like, what are we talking about? Sure enough, double G, all he's got to do is throw an overstable forehand over the OB and let it fade back in. And he shoves it out of bounds, like pulls it way over left takes it way too far and it never gets back and he goes out of bounds. And like now it's it's advantage Simon because now Double G is even further away trying to get up and down for par than Simon is. And like, I, I mean, I couldn't even believe he did it. I was like, I was shocked. I, I knew like there was a chance, but I was like, surely he's going to chip this and be fine. Mm-hmm. Out of bounds. I, I mean, I feel like that would be pretty easy to do, honestly. Oh, under well, that much pressure. Yeah, no, certainly. But and I mean, it's a different. It's a difference between like there are certain players who are like used to being in that winning crunch time. Double G yeah. is really not there a lot, and that's not his strongest shot. Right. It's a big moment, and then he double G doesn't get up and down, leaves himself a long putt, misses it. Simon jump putts, taps out. There it is. Like it all happened really fast. Yeah. Um. So Simon takes it down. Second straight win. Um. And I gotta say, Simon Lazat is at this point looking incredibly dangerous. I I I was so I was so excited, but I tried to calm myself down last week when everyone. Yeah. Because I was like, oh my gosh, Simon might be like 
in the running, like in disc golf again. And yeah. because I love that time period of Simon being in there. Cause I think he's such an exciting player. He's an exciting player with a great personality. He's just an extremely watchable disc golf player. Mm-hmm. Like he's so much fun to watch. Um, and, but I thought I, I kind of assumed that last week was a fluke. And I think that this proves that it wasn't. Yeah, you know, and like it's... He, I think he might be back. It's funny because even, like, we say, like, Simon being back, but, like, even when he was in his prime, yeah. he really only had, like, two big wins ever, and he's now won two Pro Tours back-to-back. Like, this is this is unprecedented, Simon. I think the thing was he used to be, if not on lead cards all the time, he was feature on, cards yeah, all the time. He got a lot of feature cards. And because cards. of his injury, he wasn't as, you know, he was, right. he was more in the YouTube game, which is fun because at least his fans still got to watch him. Yeah. But he, we don't see him as much anymore on lead cards or on feature cards. It used to, back in the day, every lead card was the same group almost. Yeah. And so, and it, and Simon was typically in there. Well, it's, it is a, it's an interesting thing because like if you're a cover, a post-produced coverage company, like of course you're going to want, you know, you're going to want your lead card to be like the big guns. Like I'm sure they had some pool and yeah. the tournament director and like, Hey, this is who we want on our lead card. It's like, do you mean feature card or the feature card? Oh, I was about to say, yeah, you're getting no, some real yeah, conspiracies. Yeah, no, they, they start fixing stuff. But, uh, yeah, no, it, it, um, it's been a crazy run here for Simon and, and he, I mean, he's been solid now for quite a few weeks in a row. It is so funny that like, I think that he, he like he like somehow he got away with a serious mistake that like should be his mm-hmm. wake up call and he still got away with it, yeah. which is like his whole thing that has gotten him to this new success is playing safe golf. And yeah. he like he like slipped into it for a second and like got got out of, out of it and like threw an old Simon shot and yeah. got punished for it. And then he got away with it. Yeah. So hopefully he gets it now. Cause yeah, like, do you think that in the future he's going to like as the, you know, it gets more towards the top and everything. Do you think he's going to start? Bring it back, I, old Simon, and know. it's so funny because he and he preaches over and over again that well, I mean, he doesn't preach it, but like he he states that like he like before especially he was not like super concerned with winning, mm-hmm. but when he gets in contention, like you rarely see players show as much like stress and, and He's, emotion. That's, but that's why everybody loves him is the emotion. He gets it's kind of like Philo. People love the emotion. He, he shows. gets so intense and like I mean he threw his drive on eighteen that ended up inbound and fine, but like he was not happy with it and he's like mm-hmm. on his knees on the tee pad, like literally like he gets so worked up and but like that's so fun to watch. No, it is. I am just yeah. saying it's it's crazy like it can be so night and day with him, like when, mm-hmm. whether he's in contention or not. Um, but yeah, Simon, we just, we just all know how it is whenever you're, whenever you might be preparing for a tournament and practicing a course and be like, all right, on this shot, I got to just lay up and throw a hyzer into the fairway. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, okay, I'm going to go for it. <laughs> like I'm well, just going to throw further than I've ever thrown. Yeah. And then- it's such an interesting one because like me of all people, there has been many shots on tour this year that have been like very similar situations to this. Um, other scenarios would be the Las Vegas playoff where Drew Gibson laid up and then ended up winning because Gannon burst threw out of bounds. Uh-huh. Yeah, or yeah. Natalie Ryan, uh, what was it, last week, tried to throw over the water on like one of the last holes, maybe 17, uh, and, and Paige laid up. And like there are some shots, and I'm always going to be the proponent of the aggressive play, like the go yeah. out, not the well, let me just do what I need to do. Like the, I'm going to go out and win type shot. Mm-hmm. I think as a fan, that's what you want to see. Maybe but, not on hole 15 or 6, but 17 and 18. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like there's it's a, so much more exciting. Right, well, like there's a time yeah. where like you can be, like you're throwing first, you have a chance to be the aggressor. You can put 
all the pressure on. So like, I'm a fan of that. But when Simon stepped back, like he was going to throw that. I, I mean, I was excited. It was super necessary. No, I was <laughs> excited because like, as, like, I was like, well, this is going to be yeah. amazing if this works. But like, even I was like, that's crazy. And like, mm-hmm. I am always the guy to be like, yeah, just go for it. What the heck? I was even like, what? Like, there is just no rational reason to he throw He might have just felt right like now. that was his highest it, percentage like if shot. you gotta watch that shot maybe like he was there was no chance that thing. yeah like it was 544 right. feet it. it had just started raining pretty hard and i was about to say maybe he just didn't feel like maybe he was a little bit nervous didn't feel like he had the finesse but it's simon the trick shot king he's but, like he's he has the finesse he, just, he had to like flex this giant anheuser get it really far right into like past the tree line and get like it was it was tough. There's OB everywhere. Like, I mean, it it was a crazy throw, but I mean, he mm. gets, he gets away with it and and we move on. Um I hope I hope he finds a good balance between exciting yeah, yeah. Simon and cuz okay, because his personality and because well, reserved Simon is still like an aggressive disc golfer. Yeah, I mean, he's still I mean, like, still throws well, far. Wait, so obviously he's won two tournaments with yeah. it. So like he's still really good, but I mean, I still it'd still be great to see some Simon lines. He, yeah, I. Well, did you see that one that he threw? Like the he just like threw around the tee pad, like off the side of yeah, the tee pad. Yeah, like through literally some was trees, like, like lining up his shot, and the it, camera it people crazy. were like standing <laughs> yeah. where he was about to throw. Yeah. And I was like, are they going to get out of the way or? Yeah, no, I mean, he definitely still picks out some pretty exciting lines, but I mean, it, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm glad he's like finding his competitive stride here. And I'll tell you, like right now. He seems like he seems like the guy to beat as far as who's healthy and out on tour right now. I mean, uh-huh. certainly. Um, other kind of storylines from the MPO, you have Paul McBeth uh, still kind of falling short. I thought this was going to be it. Um, you also, I think, thought so. We'll go mm-hmm. over our prediction points. Um, we're gonna have to. We're gonna probably have to go back over it maybe next Monday when Hunter's back in town because oh, okay, it'll sure. be easier to do it then. I know we don't have a preview show this week, but we'll make sure there's an update. I just wanted to look and see. Um, I, can't, I can't remember who my pick. Yeah, was. we didn't. I don't think any of us did significantly well. Uh, I. I mean, I know I had Simon in my top three at least. I had eggs, two avocados, uh, granola bars. Oh wait, that was my grocery list. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I. I mean, I like. I don't even think I had any. of Like my FPA was pretty bad. <laughs> What did you have? <laughs> Paul, Calvin, Gannon. Yeah. I, I mean, I had Paul and Calvin in hey, there. So. Gannon was up there, though. Yeah, he, he was, was like close. Fifth. Gannon was close. But mm. um, so, yeah, Paul, we kind of thought the magic was going to come around. He was only five back. I didn't really ever think he was going to catch up to the lead. Like five. I saw back. your tweet about yeah. if he comes back and wins, you'll shave everything <laughs> but a mustache. Right. And like, I didn't really think it was going to happen because not only was he five back, but like if it was just double G up there that he had to catch... I would have been like, ooh, this is certainly possible. But Simon has been good, and he's he just won, so like it's not like he's brand new to the crunch time. So I didn't really think he was going to catch him. Um, but something that's interesting is his putting has just been going through woes. Uh, he was 48th in C1X putting, um, which which is just awful for him. That's yeah, not like him. And the interesting thing about it is he changed up his putting form again. Um I kind of like subtly noticed it when I was watching, but I didn't really like because he's these days he changes up his putting form. Did it go a, down on Heiser? Well, they were announced. They announced that he was changing. Yeah, so they yeah they talked so about like it on coverage. Or so something. was it going down on Annie? No. Whenever he goes down on Annie, he's gonna miss. Yeah. No. <laughs> so what he did is apparently it's he saw the way he putted like back in two thousand and eight, and is kind of trying to replicate it. So he's. He's hmm. starting lower and he's going down with more of a straight arm. He's not as bent. Okay. He's more of a straight arm and 
yeah, there's a little more of a pre-shot routine going on. It finishes similar, but the the to, the pull down is quite different. And I mean, it, it didn't work. I mean, it's you know, it, I have trying to, to say, anytime you're in a place where you're changing your putting form, your your putt is is usually in shambles. It's because well, you don't have the confidence too. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like if you're changing your putting form mid season, you can't expect to go out there and just putt lights out. I don't think so. Like it's, that's not shocking, but at the same time, it's he, he's in a difficult spot with the putt, I think, because he know when you, and this is like, this is, this is how golf works. But when you become a player getting towards the second half of your career and you had such a dominant stretch and like there were times in Paul's career where he just was not missing putts, like, at mm-hmm. all. Like, he was just money from I mean, everywhere. in 60 feet, you were just seeing highlight right. putts the whole round. And he himself has admitted that, like, he was, like, how good he was back then. And, like, if I could, he, like, he said, like, if I could just find that putt that I had back in 2015 or whatever, mm-hmm. like, I, it would be over. Um, but... <clears throat> When you have that knowledge in the back of your mind, like, you know, you and I, we have that good, we have, we have the knowledge knowing that we were never that good at putting. <laughs> so that helps. But when you know, like I'm the best at putting right now than I've ever been. And I suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I could probably say the same, but when you know, in the back of your mind, like there was a time that my putt was so good and all I have to do is just find it. That's tough. That is like torture. And that's mm-hmm. why you're seeing him try all these different things is I think he's just trying to find that dominant putting stroke and it's almost like at some point you just kind of got to settle in on the one that that works the best because like his putting has just been so streaky um because when he's on i mean he's still it just seems like well he's not missing from anywhere but yeah just, he, he like cashed that 60 footer on yeah. hole like what 16 or something yeah like he had a pretty sick one but yeah it's okay he'll find it Again, remember we talked about I it. Know. This is what happens. I, I'm this starting. Happens. I'm starting to be convinced that he's going to win USCGC. Yeah, and he's going to win Worlds. That's what I'm saying. Is like he like Paul that's the at only the end tournament of the day, he's going to win this year. USCGC <laughs> and Worlds. He's still so tough to beat at a major that it's like he might still win. There's still three majors left, and there's every possibility he could take two of the three. And then like, what are we talking about? You know. So it, it it's very difficult with him. It's just like he's the only guy. He's really because like Calvin and Ricky. And Chris are very consistent. Typically, uh, Calvin ha- Calvin can be a little streaky. He came in nineteenth this week. It wasn't great, but he's had like you know, those guys. I feel like Paul is like the one guy who's like a top player that's a little streaky. Not even necessarily with his finishing place all the time, but just his game in general. Because a lot of t- like this event, he came in I think fifth, and like he was he was a little all over the place. And like that's yeah. just kind of like his mo lately is like his rounds like he shot hot round in the third round but like interesting he or he tied for it at least but like he, he can just be a little bit all over the place i don't know he's he's got some things to figure out sometimes he seems very event to event but then sometimes yeah. i guess it's round round but yeah i i don't know i don't know he's gonna be interesting to track because he i mean he is this point like he's had slumps before but this mm-hmm. one he's really skidded down the world rankings i mean he's in fifth now like he's getting nearly caught by simon like it's it's getting this is one where it's like getting really interesting like wow how far will he drop before he kind of can figure it out he likes that comeback he he, he does it. he does and european open i mean he's got about a he's got a little over a month now before that for that comes into play i mean that's like his event like he will uh-huh. be very hungry to win that event so i'll be curious to see um, we still have the. Oh, per- I can't wait to watch that. We still have the preserve before that and Idlewild. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of find it. Um, another thing, Isaac Robinson. Um, 
had had a third place place finish. Really nice event. He was in contention for a while. Um, quietly having a decent season, Isaac Robinson. Um, but moving on to the FPO, um, FPO was a was not close. Um, Valerie Manhano dominated. Ended up winning yeah. by I believe nine strokes. I think Wait, she, who? Somebody predicted that. Uh, Did Hunter say she was going to win? I hope not. But I think Hunter might have said she. No, not for the win. I think he might have. No, he's crazy. I don't, maybe maybe not maybe don't not even either. speak no that. I won't I'm not um, gonna speak that into existence. yeah she she dominated I mean she was first in C1X putting and first in fairways hit and I wow. believe she was second in C1 in regulation if you are if you're hitting and she was first in C2 in regulation so if you're getting in the circle better than anybody else in regulation and you're making your putts in those circles better than everyone else guess what you just won yeah um, and then you're also hitting the fairways which means you're not going OB uh, if you can throw well and putt well, you're going to do great at this golf. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker, right? <laughs> Valerman Hano is, um, I'll just mention, Own came in second and Kat came in third, but it wasn't close, like I said. Mm-hmm. She built that lead pretty quickly, and then it was just kind of like, I think is she Hunter gonna... had Own in his top three. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> It's kind of it was kind of just like is she going to hold on or is there is she going to like leave the door open and her third round was very important because she just she just kind of stayed right where she was um, was able to make some key birdies and and kind of pull away a little bit but Val like I mean you watch her highlights her angle control is just really good she she's not as far as a thrower as a Paige or a Cat or even a Kristen and and I think that is where. She can have some struggles out there on the course, but she's I think she's learning to really control her angles and use flippy discs. I mean, I saw her throw. There is this highlight. I posted on the foundation story. It's on the Pro Tour Instagram. But I mean, she had this hyzer flip that she ended up she kind of ran at the basket from maybe like 300 feet out and hit the band. And like the this disc flipped so late. Like I love watching players. <laughs> I, love that. I love watching players who know how to use the right discs. And We'll just see that shot and think, I'm not going to force anything. I'm going to throw something very flippy, give it hard with hyzer, and let it the disc do the work. And it's just this slow flip to flatten turn. Like mm-hmm. she does uh, that. The late flip is the prettiest shot in disc golf. That's, yeah, that's, I think she does that hyzer flip just about as good as anybody on on the tour. I, I, I she's she's gotten really good with it. Um, you can see, like I feel like over this whole year, you just see her getting. Yeah, further and further and further up. She's she's predictable as and she's going to do. It seems like she's just going to do better and better each turn. Right. And I mean, she had the early win and didn't quite. It took a while for her to follow up on that. Um, I think we all kind of jumped mm. to the reaction that like, oh, she's that like, she's part of the big three. You know, right now we, we it's Paige, Cat, and Kristen in that big three. But I think she's what she's doing now is really cementing herself as like I am the fourth option to win these events. Mm-hmm. Um, I, she's been streaky at times, but she's she seems to be like if she has a good weekend, she can beat anybody. Is what it seems like to me. Uh, her game is really solid. She can score. She can putt. She can putt and win. She's got a really nice spin putt. Um, very talented player. Um, glad to have her on Team Foundation, you know? Heck yeah. Big time. But yeah, the rest of the FPO field is another kind of just, you know, Paige and Kat didn't really make any moves, especially Paige. She, she kind of fell down the leaderboard a little bit. And yeah, it kind of was just, it was the Val, it was the Val show, honestly. Nobody really um, made any huge moves uh, in the FPO, but Moving on to just a little broadcast notes, because you know we yeah, have, I love hearing this part. We gotta have our two cents of broadcast. We try <laughs> I to keep love it getting Trevor down this road. Well, I don't really have a lot to say because I, I think it's all been said enough at this point. I mean, I inter- yeah, I got, let it all off your chest. I man. got to interview Terry on my out. show this past week. I, a lot of people saw it. I know so. 
uh, that gave me some a little bit more perspective for like commentary and stuff. But at the same time, like, I'm sorry, but Ian and Philo, man, they just don't they don't do it for me. Like, I don't think it's not good. good. I don't think they're good. Um, <laughs> it just it is what it is. I think they're too. If I can put it lightly, I don't think they're good. They're too lackadaisical. <laughs> I just don't That's like. A good word. It's tough. It's tough. But big issues that I had was number one. Hole 18, okay? Hole 18, like I mentioned, you've got Simon and Double G tied up. Uh-huh. This is the most crucial event of the entire tournament. This is where it all comes down to. And what, so if you're the broadcast team and this hole 18 is the most important hole of the entire event, you're getting, it's before they tee off, they're waiting on the tee um, for the next group. What are you doing as a broadcast team? What you would you do? building tension. By, and what would you, what would you do to do that? Probably... Talking about the tough parts of that hole coming up. Thank you, thank you, Connor. Look at look at Boom. Connor here. Connor so nervous. Yeah, but, see, but see, Connor just said the first thing that came to his mind. He's never worked a day in his life for broadcasting, nope. and yet he understands that what you want to do is showcase the hole that is about to be played. Right? Like you want to say, okay, here comes the flyover of the hole. Here's where we want the players where we're going to want to try and land. Here's the strategies. And what are they doing instead? They're they're just showing a B-roll shot of the 18th green and talking about the playoff format. We're not even in a playoff yet. <laughs> that might not even happen. Like, what are we like doing? You'll right have now? plenty of time after yeah. Holy... If there's a playoff, yeah. after Holy 18, you will have plenty yeah. of time to talk about it's, how the playoff rules If you want to just, like, quickly mention... Because it's going to take them forever it, to walk to that like, hole. Like, I'm fine if you want to just quickly mention, oh, and by the way, if this goes to a playoff, they're going to play a 1-18 repeating. Like that, If you want to just... Qu- I wouldn't have criticized them for that. Like that took two but seconds. They, yeah, they left it on that shot and just, like... And it's like not even necessarily the commentator's fault because that's the broadcast team deciding yeah. that one. Um, but I'm like, build some tension here because guess what happened? Here's what happens. They then throw their drives without any flyover of the hole, any explanation. And I'm now watching their drives fly thinking, is this good? Is this bad? Yeah, I have no idea. what you want to know yeah, whenever, and, they're, whenever they're tied. And yeah, and they land and I'm like, is that good? Is that bad? And then, and Ian like likely said, you know, he gave, I think Ian did fine at saying, okay, this shot is headed to a good spot and then where it landed. But I had no context for where that shot was in the rest, of, in regard to the rest of the hole. And then it's like, they heard me and, and I started texting uh, some of the guys and was like, what the heck just happened there? And literally as I start texting about it, after they've thrown their drives, in comes the flyover. It's like mm. it's like they forgot about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that this is one thing the Pro Tour has just struggled to do is there has been so many dramatic hole 18s and playoffs, and they just they're just failing to build tension. And like it's like the tee shot just happens, and you're like, you just wouldn't even know that that was the most important shot of this entire event. Yeah. Um so that 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 really that really rubbed me the wrong way. Um well, and like a separate thing, you saying that like basically after Simon threw OB, they acted like the tournament was over. As yeah. someone who is like watching the tournament, yeah. you don't want to hear that you might as well stop watching before the last putt. Yeah, is like out. oh, it happened to all your viewership that just left. Oh, it's yeah. because Ian said, "Well, that's it." Wait, yeah. Simon won. <laughs> yeah, like I stopped watching. Remember, Ian told me to stop. Right. Yeah, the broadcasters. Basically. Well, that's what the, they're so they're so anxious to just turn over the tournament. Like when there's. When there's still shots to be thrown, because yeah, that rubbed me the wrong way, like I mentioned. And then um, and I don't mind I don't mind the drama of it. Just like, a, oh, that's gonna be that does make things a lot closer. Right, it puts like, more pressure on this throw. Well, for yeah, you could say like you can say G. like, oh, it's you could even say it's all but over. Like yeah. I don't even, but like just yeah. saying like double G's gonna take it home, like what? Like, no. There is water. 
there's still do you and guys there's rollaways into the water potential still happening let me ask you another question because philo philo dropped a, a metaphor maybe this would be i don't know he used like a, what's a euphemism does anybody know why does that word sound right? I think that that's like a metaphor, but like in, okay. like a, in, in a spicy case, way. He said he described having to have a forehand like on the tour, like a 300 foot forehand, like that, that girthy messed up as he said, yeah, man, that's just cheese on bread, man. That's the cheese on the bread. I heard that. I was, what, what does that mean? Does that, <laughs> does that mean anything to you guys? No. I mean, I love it. I don't, I like it just like, I'm guessing he said, over. Wait, like I swear wait, wait, he said wait, it five times. Wait, after bread, what? After like he was, they're getting to the green, and he's basically talking about how Girthy messed up that forehand shot. Wait, so cheese on bread was a bad thing? No, he's saying he. I think he meant like it's bread and butter is what you would say. Like that's a bread and butter shot you need to have. Like it's like it's one you've just got to have, right? Like that's what he meant to say. And he said that's just the cheese on the bread. And when he gets onto something, he repeats it like five times, and he just kept saying over and over again. Yeah, man, that is just the cheese on the bread. I like at that point, I'm like, so well, wait, what kind of cheese and what kind of bread? It, so this was before he threw the shot or after? After, after, because he was like, because he was just saying like how man, he just needed to have, you need to have that that's shot of the disc golf. That's, that's just, just a, a mandatory. Yeah, you need the cheese. That's on the, the bread. cheese on the bread. I just want to know, like, if, I don't know, but people I love on it. somebody on Twitter would just. Like, I think it'd be an analogy. Yes, yes, that that's probably it. Um, somebody on Twitter just commented it because like I heard it and was just like, huh? But then somebody on Twitter was like. What the heck did Philo was Philo talking about? This cheese on bread. I was like, okay, so it is a thing. But like, if you just ignore it and you just hear it, you're like, yeah, you're right, man. That's just Sometimes, cheese on bread. And then yeah. you think about it, like, what does that what mean? Does that mean? <laughs> can somebody? Can you like Urban Dictionary that, or like so, like try to find if there is a slang? I don't for think we're gonna like what it says on Urban Dictionary. Well, only read it if it's if it's appropriate, or just find like is that like is I'm gonna look the up cheese on the, the bread. Only time you put cheese on bread is like grilled cheese. I like grilled cheese. Uh, grilled cheese is great. But like, is the cheese on like? That's why it's called bread, bread and butter. Bread and cheese are not staples. What I, well, what that leads me to is <laughs> I think we should have a segment really quick, and I just invented this off the top of my head, but I think we all need to come up with our own um, analogy for like <laughs> and for like a shot that like what would be your the first thing that comes up? I looked up the phrase the that's che- cheese on bread. Yeah, and it said no results. So then it changed the phrase for me, and it mm-hmm. says meaning. Wow. It's an exclamation of amazement uttered with great enthusiasm and emphasis. I don't think that's no. That's, that's not, not what it. he meant. Well, it. then, okay. What would be your what would be your analogy? That's and you can make up bread. anything you want for like a sh- the same. We'll use it for I the same it. situation. I know it. I know it. I okay. It. All right. That's cheese on bread. It's simple. That's that should have been simple. It should have been a simple shot. That's cheese on bread. No, you got to make no. up a new one. I got to make up a new one. No, I'm saying yeah, that, yeah like your you gotta, version you of cheese on bread. Oh, okay. so like that's the gas in the car, man. Oh, oh, it's not. Really it can be, it no, means, it can be any, no, it can be anything you just want. Just a new phrase. Well, no, like the normal phrase is is like that's a bread and butter shot. Like that's uh, like a, that's like one you gotta have. So like, but apparently like, you have to also have cheese on, on bread. Cake. So like, yeah, there you go. Well, that's, that's it's that's, a little different, yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that one. That's just a, sphere, a spherical meatball right there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, I don't think that quite captures it, but yeah, uh, that is, like, it's supposed could, to be all meatballs are spherical. <laughs> We're going to use that. I'm just saying, I'm going to... That's I, just the sauce in the pasta. That's the sauce in the pasta right there. You got to have sauce it. Sauce in the pasta. Yeah, I like that. I think... 
something that gets That's the PB with the jelly right yeah. there. That's just yeah. the, it's the PB with the jelly. <laughs> I don't know why. That's just the ham with the cheese. Um, I don't know why to add the word I think that I'm just saying we think I think we all need to start saying the cheese on the bread. What was it? I heard a phrase the other day that I said I was going to start saying. Never mind. Okay. It, it was, I can't remember where I heard it from, um, but it's probably an old man saying it. And I loved it. So the last thing I want to talk about the broadcast um, and downright the most shocking. So I was brought this to my attention this morning because I don't. Oh my God. I don't typically stay around, stick around for the, the post round interviews. I guess I need to because they've just been so interesting this year. Um, and Silas is, is like, what the heck was that post? Round interview. He's talking about Brian Earhart like getting called trash basically so on camera. <laughs> so we all watched it. I have seldom cringed that much in my life. It was tough. Um, so Brian it Earhart walks so up to bad. Simon. Of course, the instant he's just won, which is mistake number one. This is the dumbest thing that the Pro Tour does. Like you don't give the athlete a second to gather their faults. Like what does every weird interview look like this year? I'll tell you what it's looked like. A player who is like literally has adrenaline flowing through their body, has no clue what they want to say, and is just freaking out. Why is that? Because they just walked off the 18th green. Yeah. Or not even. They were just ambushed on the 18th yeah. green. Like they just tapped out the And there's like putt. there's two negatives of that. One, you're gonna get a bad interview because yeah. they're not prepared for it. Yeah. Two, you're gonna make the player nervous before they take their last putt because they're gonna have to think about Oh, I got to think about what they're going to well, say when they shove a mic in my well, face. Well, right also, also, as an interviewer, it's a tougher environment, too. You don't even yeah. get a chance to really gather yourself. True. Um, that was That's what I was going to say, which, like, I don't... A lot easier as an interviewer to have a controlled environment. Yeah, because Brian, Brian Earhart looks like... The most nervous oh person. Oh my god! I mean, he looks so, like he was shaking. He looks so there. nervous. You gotta I, go. I yeah, you gotta go watch this interview. It's you can watch all of the the broadcast now on the Disc Golf Network if you have a subscription. Um, you're gonna want to get one just for this. But he walks up to Simon. Simon's like freaking out, and he go. He goes. What did he say? He goes. Simon, like, just like, hey, Simon. Like, first of all, like the camera's There's a getting lot of to him. pauses, and you can just tell that like he's like freaking out about like what am I gonna say yeah I, he goes and, which is like, understandable it's a human thing because he didn't have time to think about it yeah he's like he's like what's going on out there or like what happened out there like or something he's like, like that's that. that's two that's two wins in a row yeah what's going on what's out going there? on yeah what's going on like the most like open-ended question of all time and Simon is like, like freaking out I don't know uh, the pub was on I don't know yeah like he's like <laughs> there's so many much heavy breathing and awkward Answers and pauses happening. Brian Earhart's just got this weird smile plastered on his face the whole time. Look like because a robot. Because he's freaking out about what he's going to say next. Yeah, and then I, what was the second question? Uh, the second one. What do you think about this crowd? Oh, yeah. What do you think about this crowd out What do you think about this gallery? Like, and it's just like, the questions. Good. I love them. Yeah, yeah the and questions. I love Portland. The questions were super cheers. weird. And then he, fall, then he finally asked the question he should have asked for, first, which was like, what were you thinking like what was going through your mind? I don't even think he phrased it really well, but like what was going through your mind? Pretty, when you, it was a good question. When yeah, you was, went for it on eighteen, the, that question what was, was going through your mind there. Yeah, like that was a that was probably what you should have opened up with. However, you, that was the only that was the only good question, and you didn't get an answer. Yeah, because Simon didn't like he didn't know how to answer. Yeah, because Simon was still freaking out. So yeah, like, and then this is what like, it's already a really bad awkward interview. Oh no! And then Simon, literally as he's walking away, still pretty much in the mic goes says the words terrible interview. Like that, but not like not. Uh, he's like he's like oh, he's kind of laughing, terrible. Like, but yeah, there's no really way to like if but you're Brian you Earhart. He's like shaking up the whole time. He's like freaking out. Yeah. He's he's just not together. If you're Brian Earhart, you're and this is what happened. You think what the heck did he just say? The interview was terrible. And so literally, the mic is still hot. He turns around and goes, "What you said it was terrible." And Simon like has you to can come see back him kind to of him. pointing to like he's himself. Like, no, yeah. that was me. And Simon's yeah. like, "No, no, I meant like me as an interviewee or whatever." And and like 
Then Brian Earhart like walks yeah, away. So awkwardly. uncomfortable. This is all on a live broadcast. It's all happening live. All you have to do to solve this problem is do let them present the trophy, give them their flowers, go up to the studio for a little bit, and then once the players calm down, collected their thoughts, and you could even brief them on what you're going to ask in the interview if you wanted to. And the interviewer has time to gather their thoughts. Separate spot. Because that was another thing. The gallery was right behind them during the interview. So like they're cheering. They're having to wait for applause to die down. Like take them aside, have the interview in a much more quiet setting. They can like be settled down. I mean, it's just a no brainer to me. I just like it is. It's honestly, it's bamboozling me that the Pro Tour is still doing this. Like when it seems to be not working. I understand wanting to capture raw emotions, but it's not like Simon Lazat's going to be over it 10 minutes later. Right. Like, and you're capturing their raw emotions when they hoist the trophy. You can, I don't mind you walking up and saying, here's the Portland Open champion, hand him the trophy, letting them hold it up. That's fine. But like, give him, like, it was because he had, he just didn't know how to talk with like a real trophy in his hands. Yeah. That's, that was probably, <laughs> it. I, I just like, it was the cringiest thing I ever saw. Like, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. So yeah, there, but it's okay though. It's okay. Like, because that would have been, I mean, here's just the, think about how awful the live coverage was two years ago. Well, I, my, thing, that's why we talk about so many negative things because it can handle it because it's, it's pretty good now. Well, yeah, it's only like the obscure things like interviews that mm-hmm. get criticized at this point because it relies more on the personalities. Which are just baby sport things. Just baby sport things. Or baby sport. I, my baby thing sport, with the pro baby. tour is like, they are pretty good at taking feedback and changing things. Like they do that over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this is like, it's already happened with Paige where the interview has been a little weird and shaky because like she just won happened with Simon now like I don't think I think you've got I think you've seen it now so now let's implement it next time let's change it if it keeps happening I'm gonna be like what the heck is going on like if I have to see one more interview that looks like that I'm gonna be like it's just like that's the last thing you see in the broadcast right like at least such a bad taste in your mouth for the sport of disc yeah it felt really small yeah it's gross anyways um with that being said we're gonna we're gonna hop we're gonna take a quick break from the action and hop into Trevor's trivia um, I don't feel comfortable calling it the fan favorite segment when it's me. Can you uh, say it? Can you intro it? And now we're going to hop into the fan favorite segment. Is segment the word to be used? Yeah. Fan favorite segment. Trevor's trivia. Just what do you so got fast. for us today, Trevor? Oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you say it better than Hunter. No. I'm just kidding. Don't even. Don't fire Hunter. Um, the way that Hunter says that whenever he starts the, the podcast... Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Grip Lock. It's so fast. It's like so fast, but like it's so impressive. I can't. He's like freaking Eminem. No lie. I have to, whenever I've done this, which is twice now, like been the host for the podcast, I have to literally look up exactly what he says at the beginning because it happens so fast that I need to double check myself. Like I I know it, but at the same time, I'm like, do I know it? I know so well from editing it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the (laughs) Grip Yeah, you got the t- the pacing down and perfect. I would say um, for trivia He's good today, at it just be clear, Hunter. We love it. I love it. We're gonna be doing kind of a little bit of guess who slash twenty one questions. Okay. Um, basically, what's gonna happen is I'm going to think of a disc, um, a disc mold, and then you guys are going to rotate back and forth, asking yes or no questions to me. Are we working together? No, that's the key. Oh, and, oh, so you can either guess or, or ask solve. a question. But if you Ooh. solve wrong, you lose. Ooh. It has to be a yes or no question. I can only answer with yes or no. Okay. Yeah, you're going to go back and forth. So like, if you ask a question and you're like, oh, if he gets one more question, he might get it, then you might have to guess. You gotta, yeah, you got to point it out. That, this is a great game. I just invented okay. these games, so we'll see if they work out. Trevor's trivia um, is goaded. So I'm, gonna, I'm thinking of my disc. And we'll just switch off who goes first each time. 
Yeah, that's fine. We'll go. We'll all go right. like three rounds. We'll see how long it goes. Um, okay. I, all right, I've got my disc, and we'll, Silas, you can go first. Is it written on that paper? No. All right, good. Okay, that, no, it's in my brain. Uh, is it a putter? No. Is this a popular disc? Are we asking me subjective questions? Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's, a, that's yeah. a risky game. Well, it's not necessarily subjective. I would say... Does it have a big following? I'm just saying because I can't answer more than yes or no. That's Does it have a big following? I would say no. Okay. Uh, is it, It's me. Um, is, this, is this disc made in America? That's a good question. Great question. Yes. Is this disc a pig? You just guessed. <laughs> I just went for it. I just had a feeling. No. Dang it. Well, I said it wasn't a putter. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> what the heck? I'm Are you even playing the game? Don't talk to me, man. <laughs> the first question was, I didn't even realize that until you said it this then. You literally said, is this a putter? I just had a Connor. feeling in my soul. It's a pig. I think you're. I think you changed your answer, but let's keep going. No, I'm it's just over. You lose. It was a strike. No, I, wait. Oh, wait. You lose uh, once you guess? Yeah, I said if you solve and you get it wrong, you lose. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I missed. Or else we just good guessing game back and forth. It's yeah. a strike was the disc, but Silas wins round one. I just went for. Hold it. your tongue next time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I All right, I got I my went, next disc. If I had known, okay. which I which, it's not just my ask fault. a question. I mean, it is my. It fault. It is your fault. You it guessed is my a putter. fault. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> and also, okay, so now I, I know. Still love you. Once you guess, it's over. You're doing a good job. I'm going. So just no, another disc. Yes. Maybe no, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um. Is this disc a mid-range? No. Um, does Paul Macbeth throw this disc? No. Is this disc, would this disc be considered popular, as in have a following? Mm, nah. Okay. Is it a... <laughs> <laughs> uh... Is this disc made in America? I'm going to ask it again. No. There we go. Okay. All right. So it's Trilogy. That's not true. <laughs> May not be. <laughs> uh, is it Castaplast? No. Okay. Oh. Uh, is it Discmania? No. Is it Trilogy? Yes. Okay. Um. Does, does... We know what company it is. Yeah, does so, Ricky Wysocki throw this disc? It's not going to help me. I don't know his entire bag, but I'm going to say no. Okay. Is it a putter? No. Okay. Okay. Um, Have we ran this disc as a custom stamp? No. <sighs> Oh. That would I would have some choices and I would have had to guess. I feel yeah. like if that was the case. Yeah, once you narrow um, it down too much. So is is it a fairway driver? No. Okay. <laughs> have you thrown this disc? Yes. I've thrown a lot of discs. I yeah, I don't know. Does why. Hunter hate this disc? Mm-hmm. Because of its inconsistency. Well, that was a very specific question. It no. is a very specific question. No, okay. that one. I mean, no, if you would answer, if I would answer, I yes, you si- would have got it. No, I didn't know Silas knows that though, because we only talk about that when we're filming videos. Typically. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> does this disc start with an S? 
Yes. Is it a sheriff? Yeah. I mean, Saj, <laughs> what are we doing? I, what are we I doing? I guess it could have said sergeant. But yeah, I mean, oh my goodness. All right, both you guys have made a crucial blunders. Round know, three. I didn't know if No, Potter... I didn't do anything. No, because I knew that that was more of like a, the three of us know it more so. No, I didn't know. No, if... I'm just saying you guessed a putter at your first round. That was a crucial blunder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so I, was stu- saying, I was a stupid idiot. Crucial <laughs> blunder round one, crucial blunder I, round no, two. No, I was just hoping that Connor would. Was an idiot? Like, no, no. There's <laughs> well, multiple choices that were S. But I'm I'm with the eyes thrown that are trilogy. Yeah, it's like, that's it, like it, the sheriff. Like it, it's it narrowed right. it down a little too much. All right, final round for all the marbles. Yours was a lot less stupid than mine. Let me so think. You're fine. You win in my book. All right. Let me think. You can have my the disc. No, never. <laughs> okay, I've got my disc. Is it a putter? No. Um, is it a mid range? No. Wow, that's crazy. Is it Old disc craft? Yes. Is it a fairway driver? No. Wow. Uh, I believe it's a distance driver. Wow. Oh, I know what it is. No, I don't. <laughs> well, um, I just company to company. It's like I don't even know what they consider things sometimes. Oh, ah, oh, man. Well, I know what speed it is. I know what disc is that speed, but I don't want to. Is guess it speed. a nine speed? No, no, I know exactly what speed it is. That would that would stump you. Is it a PM line disc? No. Okay, that helps me. That helps me. Man, I know exactly what it is. I think I know what it is, but I don't want to lose. <laughs> I did it wrong. Guess Silas. Uh, is it an Undertaker? Nope. So now I get to just Dang. go and ask no, questions. So I get it right. You win. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do I get? Can I at least guess it? You like, can just guess fun? It if you is want. it a Predator? No. Dang it. it was a scorch. It doesn't matter. I still win. <laughs> ah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I forgot the scorch existed there. I figured you guys would. Mm-hmm. Well, no pros throw it. Sometimes whenever what? you say, whenever you pick the disc, I know in my head exactly what it is, and I've been wrong every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Connor wins. That was I'm, fun. Yeah, well, you guys stink at it, but no, it was a good game, man. We did fine, Come on, man. <laughs> there was a winner each round. What more could you ask for from a game? You're right, there was a winner, and it, the game rules didn't break itself, which I feel like is no. You're right. Problem, we so. were not smart enough to find any loopholes in your game. That's, um, that's Hunter thing. That's a Hunter thing. Yeah. yeah, Hunter's really smart, way smarter than me. Um, so we do have a few storylines in disc golf outside of the Portland Open that went on. Uh, one thing that was kind of has been a hot topic in disc golf and certainly on this podcast is disc golf trophies. We've talked about how the MVP or um, not the MVP open the, it was the, um, somebody help me lines. Oh my gosh. The last trophy that <laughs> he Simon, me too. that Simon just won. Silas help me. Um, um OTB not, open, <laughs> the OTB it, yeah. open. I can't get that stamp out of I was my like, mind. I was like not I get that die out yeah, of my mind. It was a disc. Um, and it was pretty weak and like we've always <laughs> talked about trophies and how they're not good enough and they're, it's not that expensive to make a good trophy. I'm full disclosure, cool disc. Well, the preserve is trying to take some initiative and, and up the, the standards a little bit with kind of an interesting approach. They It's not really exactly what I pictured, but they went for it and they made, Kayla Visca posted it on Instagram, but they basically made custom rings they're made out of gold and they have a diamond in them and they have like the airborne disc golf logo in them um so that's cool so they took effort and they're valuable so like personally 
I still think it's a little like that's not really something that you hand to somebody yeah, after the it's, round. It's, like, I feel I feel but bad. You I feel get, like, like a cool like like raising. Your I feel fist up like because like the it. ring is a is usually what you get after the fact. Yeah, to represent the trophy, right? Yeah. So it's like and I know people are probably like, "Are you kidding me, guys?" Like they put effort into it. Way like cooler than a dyed disc. But yeah, like let me let me be, I I give them credit, and you know what? It's it is a, a ring. The custom ring is cool enough. Oh, that it's cool. You can build tradition around that. It's like, cool. When and you can display, and, it, yeah, you right can have on. like a magnificent display trophy. Like right. the trophy has the ring on That'll it, and cool. that's what you hand them. Um, and then you just keep the display and just give them so the ring. So I'm gonna give them. It's kind of a cool idea. I'm gonna give them credit. Because yes, they clearly put money and effort into this. Um, so and yeah, like, it's cool. And like, they, I like it. They, I think what they should do, if you know what, if that's the direction they're going to go, I think they should do a new ring each year, and like that should be their thing. Like, if, I think that's part of the key is just like because like the Masters, guess what? They give out a green suit jacket, and and it's awesome because it's such a the pr- presentation of it is such a big deal. Yeah, like so, the tradition is what makes that right. Cool. So I yeah. think I think they at least they're trying. Um, I still want to see like just a massive, like really cool trophy that they can hand to people. But this is this is cool, and I think I'm glad that somebody put in some effort. Um, that's what I, th- I think they should do a big, magnificent display that you hand them. That's that a great idea. Effort. That's or they should have. Well, they should have like Kayla Visca like propose to them. Like with, <laughs> that's a good idea with the trophy, and like, you're now legally bounded to Kayla yeah, Visca. You, you have win. to marry him. That's the rule. <laughs> that's the rule. But uh, yeah, I mean, they it, should do that for Worlds, like a Stanley Cup type thing. Like yeah. you have to marry Kayla Visca at Worlds. I think. Yes. I think the key is like there's been so much trophy talk though, and now that one tournament is like stepping up their game, I'm hoping that like all the other ones take it personally and like make it like a one up yeah, sort of thing. They yeah. should because that's that's I think once the majority of tournaments get really nice big trophies and traditions, that every tournament is gonna want to like at least do as good as them. Like mm-hmm. it'll become a, a bit of a standard. So we just need to kind of get it going. Um, I think the Portland Open trophy was it wooden? Yeah, yeah it was like a plaque. It was it was pretty cool. Yeah. It was cool. The thing about the it was it, it was looked like, like handmade. It yeah. looked it was like a wooden framed plaque that was really cool with a metal. Well, it was like a wooden frame right frame with like a um, metal plaque in there. That that trophy is fine. Oh, that um, was pretty cool. It's it's cool. It's original enough. It's at least big. It's something but different. At, you know, it's, it doesn't cool. look like a normal trophy. Yeah. Yeah. So like that that suffices. Yeah. yeah, I would say uh, it's not like I think the big thing that, that you could, is like the history, though. So like there that trophy is not really and maybe there's more to it that I don't know. Maybe it's cut from some tree or something. Uh, yeah, I was going to say like, I bet it is one of the trees tree. I, like, what, well, the actual, like some special. Tree, yeah, no, like whatever. I like I want to know. I want like some story behind the trophy to make because like it doesn't have to be like it could just be some wooden engraved thing, but like every year we yeah. use this specific wood for the trophy and like mm-hmm. that's what makes it a big deal. Like I I just think it's an easy way to add prestige. We've talked about that this, cool. you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, other storyline and this is the last one I've got, but this is a pretty big deal, I think. I think this is slipping under the radar. Um, so a, a new deal was announced. Um, something you may not have known oh, is that Lat- Latitude 64 is actually owned by a parent company called Mountain Village. Did not know that. Did you know that, Silas? I didn't. I didn't um, know that. Did either. not know that until we read this. It it was founded in 05 in Sweden by four former disc golf professionals, enthusiasts, um, and disc golf was definitely like their their big focus. But they created they created the brand Latitude 64. So I. When I say parent company, it it seems to me like Latitude 64 is just a brand that exists under Mountain Village, but I don't really know that Mountain Village does um, 
much more. I'm not. I'm They'd not sure. Just like own it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if there's a lot there. But what's important is that there was a buy-in to um, to this Mountain Village company. Um, two other Vendus Capital and Equip Capital, two leading private equity funds with strong expertise in consumer goods, have joined forces and invested in Mountain Village. So basically, they just got two new investors with with some new capital, and like the whole idea, I guess, is like they're creating this new brand called house of discs is what they're calling it, which is supposed to be like a powerhouse to de- help develop the entirety of the disc golf industry. Um, they, they're like the now like this Vendus and equip are now like the majority shareholders in mountain village. And yeah, apparently they've got a strategic agenda to build this company. Um, they're going to, they're talking about doing, you know, branding, marketing, production, R and D distribution, course building, like the whole nine. Yeah. Really. They didn't, they talk about also like producing for other disc golf companies, like eventually buying more companies. Um, I think they mentioned, um, I think they mentioned perhaps, um, I don't, I doesn't really mention directly anything like that. that. But that's what it feels like to me. Well, it the, the trend has seemingly become. I think you're right. Distribution is becoming a big focus of mm-hmm. the company because, like, even before this was announced, um, obviously with Latitude, you know, the whole Dismania thing is still. So what we suspect, what Hunter and I initially thought we heard about this is, oh, that is why. Um, that's why Dismania is able to say that Latitude doesn't mm-hmm. make their discs is because it's this Mountain Village company, and that's maybe their loophole. So that may be the may be the case, um, but it's no secret that they're they're involved with Trilogy. Castaplas has been bought. Okay, out. I was about to ask if that was public knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So there. Here's what here's what I have to say before you get into any of that. I'm just gonna say a quick thing. Mm-hmm. The idea of a big company, basically this big house of disc company. Yeah. I think whenever I really think about it, it's cool. Disc golf is getting bigger, more investors in disc golf. Very cool. Yeah. But that scares me a lot because one of the cool things about disc golf is there's so many, there's a lot, there is a good bit, not as much as there should be yet, but there is a good bit in diversity in plastic. You can very much find the plastic you like and don't like, but I'm so scared of just everything being trilogy plastic in a few years. And because we're already like, again, if whatever this parent company is or whatever like whether dismania is trilogy whatever it is the i'm just i like old star plastic i like runs of esp plastic like i don't want all trilogy feeling discs no, i agree even though they do an incredible job yeah but i don't like castaplast some of the best plastic i've ever touched in my life i am so scared that they're gonna ruin that and so i'm like really curious to see like if i'm just like being a if i'm just being like a scaredy boy of it. So I like if I want, I'm going to read the comments later because I really want to hear like, are you guys scared of that? Like a big company coming in and buying out companies and having more of one line of plastic to make it maybe more consistent. Or do you like that? There's a lot of diversity in plastics. Yeah. If you're listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening to the podcast, jump over to YouTube really quick, just to use the comment section. And like, cause like I want to read the comments and see where, where the opinions are for the most part on that topic, because I'm very curious to know what the disc golf audience thinks of that. Yeah. It's no secret that latitude, I think 
from the get-go has had one of the most efficient manufacturing processes. They use robots. Um, in I was going to say, they're, they're one of the most consistent, too. Right. Very effective. For that, yeah, exactly. It turns yeah. out robots are good at making discs. Um, say whatever you want about their plastic, but they do make a very consistent product. Yeah, their mold is great. Um, yeah, so... <clears throat> They seem to just basically get a big foot up on a lot of companies as far as how fast they can manufacture discs at a time where now this is a huge problem. So more and more companies are just like, I mean, they just know that their volume can increase so much um, and latitude is there to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, scoop it's them tempting. up. It's very tempting. Right. Because uh, it's basically the same thing that's kind of happened with a lot of companies going to like Yikun Discs and some of the Chinese companies because they're just, they just need volume and they just know like... They just need their brand name attached, like stamped on a disc. You know, that's what it comes down to. Like, I know people want the originals, but like, we got to sell plastic. Um, like, Disc Mania had the biggest struggle with that when they were kind of being held out by Innova and not really being able to make originals. Is like, they just needed outlets. So they do the Evolution line with Trilogy and they do um, the Active line with Yikun Discs. And like, that's literally saved them from going bankrupt. Um, and, I see Latitude is is really getting a foot up on everybody, um, in the especially in the European market. I mean, they're a giant. I think, I think that they're just going to be huge. I think that they're people don't a lot of people don't realize how big Trilogy is, but like, especially Dynamic and Latitude, they're both really really yeah. big. We we here we don't realize how big they are. Yeah, because not a ton of people throw it around here. It, it is very geographical, like how you feel about the disc golf industry, because like. It like in our area, we have a lot of new players, so it's so Discraft heavy. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, Discraft has become huge. Like yeah, Discraft yeah. is very big, but there are some areas you see a lot more of the trilogy discs, and you forget that in Europe, um, getting discs from Discraft Innova to them is not the easiest thing. So like that, they're going to go to people who have regional manufacturing mm-hmm. and can ship from around there. So like that's why trilogy is so big. Um, and yeah, I mean, the sky is the limit for them. I mean, the European market is huge. They, they just treat the sport differently than we do in the U S they, t- it's a lot more professional over there. They, they seem to always just treat niche sports that way over there. Yeah. Um, but, but also we got a ton of, we got a huge trilogy shipment in and it might be some of the best feeling trilogy. They, ever felt. Yeah. It's good stuff. I mean, right now, cause right now you're right. We do have, we have like. Um, the Royal have, line, that plastic, whatever that new plastic is, feels good. Yeah, that stuff is really yeah. nice. The Grand. Because um, right now you have Innova, Discraft, MVP, and Trilogy are like the big companies making discs. And then there's people underneath them. Some companies like mm-hmm. Discraft, they really only have DGA underneath them that I'm aware yeah. of. Um, and then... Gateway might have the most. Yeah, Gateway's <laughs> got a few. Um, and then you've got they'll make discs for anybody. Yeah, for I'm gonna see well, they make had, discs for Connor Kennedy discs. <laughs> we know for a fe- they have what ABC discs and there was like two other Zom- zombie, zombie black zombie discs. black zombie. Uh, There's one more. I, the think. One? I forget. But uh, Innova Storm, Storm discs. Innova makes uh, Millennium discs, but then like you've got MVP. I believe is we suspect is making mint discs, and I think uh, that's and factual. That's, that's, is that that's confirmed? Factual. factual? That's confirmed. Um, and then, you know, Trilogy, though, like now they've just bought in Casaplast. I know they've got a hand in what's going on with Dismania. I mean, it. there's just there's too much fishy things going on around Dismania. They're making good plastic. There's nothing wrong with it because that's the thing is like you mentioned, like Latitude makes good plastic. Mm-hmm. But it is as a consumer, you want to have options. And 
at the end of the day, you've thrown a d- enough different molds. The molds don't really excite you as much as new yeah. feeling plastic is. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that or old feeling, right? I'm hoping that um, there. I think there's an, an age coming in disc golf soon. Like once things can catch up to the demand, I think we're going to see a lot more innovation in the plastic materials. Because we talked about it before how it really hasn't come along, but I got to talk to UC kind of about it on my show at one point. He mentioned that like there is new material being experimented yeah. with. Like there is stuff going on where like they're they're actively working on that to because like plastic blends have not really evolved and developed um past, you know, early two thousands really. Um for a lot of companies, at least that started back then, like we haven't seen anything that's like, Oh, that is so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how that all changes. But yeah, latitude is, is really, I'm, I'm interested to see like what things start happening with this house of discs idea, like what their plans are going to be. If, if they're going to like really just try and stay, cause like what's going to happen when they, you know, are they going to at some point try and like really um, breach into the American market? Are we going to see, you know, Latitude open up manufacturing in the U.S. to expand to there? Like, mm-hmm. the market share of disc golf is a curious thing because we've always talked about what company is going to get into disc golf and, and really take over that has a ton of money. You know, is it going to be an outdoors brand like a Patagonia yeah. or North Face? Is it going to be an Under Armour or a Nike? Well, what if it's just a company like... What if it's Rubbermaid? Right. But what I'm saying, what if it's like a company that's already in disc golf that just gets investors? Yeah, that's right? true. I mean... That just gets... That's you know, very true. They be, these, these new... Um, these new companies, they had, they have equity to invest in Nike line, your discraft Nike (laughs) line. They become majority shareholders and then like they, they can kind of control things. So I, it is very interesting. We're in a very like fluid part of disc golf right now where things are, so many companies are just like trying to get product out there. And it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like, it's just a lot of shuffling around and there's so many new discs and so many, so many new discs, but so much of the same plastics. Yeah. Yeah. Like a new company comes in with this and you're like, Oh, this must be, they must have in their disc made by so-and-so. And And like, you kind of learn to feel for it and like what certain plastics look like. But I agree. I want to see like, that's what I'm looking for more than anything right now is just new plastics. If you've got new plastics, that's exciting to me. I want to ask, where are we at time wise Silas? Are we like way over? One Oh five. No. Okay. All right. Then I'm going to ask this question. First of all, company we were sleeping on that makes this for other people, MVP. Because I said MVP. Oh, you did. Oh, that's yeah, right. Because Mint, Mint, Mint is made like. Yeah, no, they're. Oh, they're, my they have a great All that stuff feels so good. I would say. Who is it? Mint and what else? Well, they have. I mean, Axiom is part of MVP. And yeah, and Streamline, Streamline is also Streamline. part of MVP. Yeah. Who makes the jet? Is that, is that Mint? Streamline. Streamline. Oh. I didn't even realize that. Um, but anyway, all that stuff feels good. But yeah. so I have, a, this is an interesting place that we're in. I've been playing disc golf for about five or six years. Trevor's been playing for a f- f- good bit of years longer. How long have you been playing? I think almost 10. Yeah. So Trevor's been playing longer. Silas has been playing shorter. He's like a year and a half, right? Mm-hmm. And so I want to ask both you guys questions. And I want your honest answers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like you're going to lie, but like don't be swayed by what I'm about to say. Okay. I'm torn as a disc golfer. Because I feel like the new age disc golfers are consistency, consistency, consistency in discs. Because then you lose a disc, you can buy the exact same discs and fly the same. That's like kind of what made me want to switch to throwing Discraft over Innova in the first place. Was that at the time Discraft was a lot more consistent, felt like. And if you threw a buzz, you loved it, you lost it, you buy a new buzz, it's going to fly the same. And um, while, because right now it feels like, the idea of having four of each mold in your bag is kind of dead. 
for maybe not for pros, but for AMs and rec players, like for the most part, everybody just has like a different disc for each slot for your understable straight and overstable. While I still, which I do that as well, but I really like the idea of having six Casey rocks in my bag. Yeah. But so where, where I am torn is the consistency is so good. And I think that is the future of the sport is having, obviously having as consistent as possible. But then what I also love is the search and the hunt right. for the best run of the disc for yeah. finding the best rocks, the best, the best, uh, that you find some, there's the good ESP plastic and then there's kind of the zippery ESP plastic. Yeah. Like, like you can find like the good of each one. And then even like, I'm intrigued by gateway the, and I would just say gateway is the most inconsistent company that disc golf has ever known Yeah, because yeah. you'll have diamond plastic that looks like this and you have diamond plastic that literally looks like a different right. material. And so you can't, it's hard to order that online. No, but also it's because the person is hand mixing the plastic. Yeah. So it depends on the person that's running the machine that day. You might have super unique plastic, but it's really fun to find the really good wizards. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the re- like, and so same thing with, so I want to know as an older disc golf golfer, mm-hmm. been playing for a lot longer. Where, where do you stand on the consistency versus the hunt? And then I want to know the same thing from you, Silas. Okay. I think as a consumer, as much as it's fun to do what you're saying, you have to root for consistency. I think Mm -hmm. that the problem with discs right now is like what we get excited. Like I'm trying to compare it to like the golf market. Cause like in golf, obviously there is perfect consistency. There's no such thing as like, Oh wow, this driver hits and it's this different run or whatever. Um, but I think it's because right now, we're almost looking for something to get excited about, right? Because new molds that come out, yeah, they're kind of excited, but oh, mm-hmm. this flies just like that. And then there's no new plastics really coming out. So I think as a disc golfer, we just latch on to whatever we can get excited about, which right now is just like finding different feeling runs of things that we already know. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in golf, what they get excited about is new science behind the newest thing that comes out. Yeah, yeah. And I think that what's we just need to wait for a new era of disc golf where there's more science involved in the development of discs. Like I want to be pitched on aerodynamics and we don't have, we can't harvest the data yet. We've talked about this. Like we need to be able to see like this disc gets this much more RPMs versus the old, the competitor's model. Like Mm. that's the kind of stuff I want to see. This disc is 10 times more durable than the competitor's model. Like that's the kind of thing I think we'll latch on in the future of disc golf is like innovation rather than, okay, we're kind of left with the scraps right now. Like that's, I think that's what it is. Like that is the only thing that gets you excited. Because like we can walk into a new disc store, we've seen it all. Yeah, so we need. I'm not looking at those shelves. I'm walking straight to that bin. Right. Used so discs. on our strive for what's new, we have to actually look at just the random kind of mm-hmm. weird stuff to find something that's new to us. Yeah. So yeah, I that think that's sense. I think that's the, the the actual root of the problem is the new stuff that comes out. <laughs> Simon chair almost breaks <laughs> in half. Yeah, it does that sometimes. The new, by the way, so the new stuff that comes out just doesn't really do anything for us. That's what yeah. I, that's what. So I you think. think the hunt could be satisfied by the hunt for, uh, like actually wanting new plastic new science because there's stuff. like yeah there's like something new behind okay. it. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, How do you feel about it, Silas? Do I think I love the consistency because. Mm-hmm. I, I just want to be able to pick up a disc and know how it flies. Yeah, that, and that's a hard argument to argue with. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying, it's such a weird... Like, that's what I'm saying. I think we've just latched on to the one last thing we have that gets us excited about, like, new yeah, discs. Yeah. Whereas, like, you can't rationally argue it as a consumer. Like, mm-hmm. you should be able to buy a destroyer and it flies the same. Yeah. yeah. 
And but it's, also because like, it's so frustrating. Your science. We, I think we just need to. We need just more people in the sport that are passionate about plastic and discs and and kind of developing. Yeah. Oh yeah. For disc golf, mm-hmm. it'll come along. That makes sense. It'll come along. But that that is a good point, Connor. And I think that. It'll just, yeah, we're just going to have to wait and see. Um, before the podcast wraps up, we're going to do a power rankings update. That's um, right. I forgot about that. I know. Yeah. A lot of people you've probably been waiting for. I say <laughs> best for last. But the reason it's not going to be a super long segment because Hunter's not here. Um, he You're going to want to watch till the end. We're going to do power rankings. Yeah. I'll just clip that and put it at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he sent in what he kind of thought about the power rankings. We kind of matched up. So we've kind of already delegated on it. So these are our official power rankings. We tried to get him on the podcast to share. We ran into a bunch of problems yeah, this morning. Basically being Trevor stupid. That's yeah, it. It's uh Hunter, Hunter doesn't like us anymore. <laughs> Sorry, Hunter. But, uh, this is what we did. You feel free to, to to go after us in the comments. That's what these power rankings are for. We stir up we stir up the comments. Stir com- the pot. Stir the pot. Uh, remember, the way we do these is we're taking in quite a bit of recency bias. Um, we're factoring in, you know, recent more than the beginning of the season. Um, yeah, I, I'm just going to go through them. So at number 10, we have Drew Gibson. He slipped a little bit. James Conrad comes in at number nine, slipped a little bit as well. Um, Joel Freeman. Coming in at eight, he had a good finish. He, I, th- I think he bumps up a spot. Paul McBeth comes in next. And p- power rankings even like make my stomach turn a little bit. Yeah. Paul McBeth at seventh. He's just not really doing anything to certainly help his case. So he's not mm. really going anywhere. Matty O. It's is, okay, man. He's going to win USDGC and Worlds this year. Then we have Matty O. Yeah. Um, coming in next. And he... Um, sorry, I just had to read through it real quick. <laughs> he kind of is just like still doing his thing. Matty O is going to be the one in here that kind of frustrates me because I don't think he's going to win this year, but he's just going to keep Did getting top 10. Did he play Portland? Stay. Yeah. I, I think he had a, a just like a... I think he just did meh. Like okay. it, he's just kind of going to like have decent finishes all year. Yeah. Um, then we have uh, Gannon next. And then this is he's where He's kind of chilling around there, right? Yeah. Gannon, well, Gannon had another good finish. He came in solo fourth. Um he is, he is, so we have like, here's the thing. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read through it and then I'll explain. Yeah, so we have uh, Gannon next and then rounding out the top four, we have Calvin at fourth, Simon at third. Snuck in there. Rick in second and Chris in first. Wow, wow. Simon at So third. here's the way, here's our thought process right now. Obviously there's going to be some people who are like, well, how is Simon not number one? Well, I'll tell you how, because he still has some, some shaky finishes on his record. We had a one, we had a major so far this year and he came in 35th. Like that. That has to show we're not, this isn't the rankings from just the last week. Like this is just like, this is like going into the next event. Where would you put these people? And Chris and Rick, if they were there and if Rick was healthy, I would still have above Simon. Um, now he does bump ahead of Calvin because I would way kind of his work right now is like Chris and Rick, because they're not at events right now, especially Chris, they can be bumped. We are, we are considering that possibility but somebody needs to do something to do it. Now, Simon, the only reason he didn't bump them is because he was all the way in 10th. So we're moving him to third. He's now in position. If he goes out and does something amazing again next week, he is right there to bump into those top two spots. Calvin was there. He was right there on the bubble. He came in 19th this past week. So uh, I would say Gannon is also kind of similar on that bubble. I think he could jump Calvin potentially next week if he if he beats him. And he also, if he wins next week, could jump into that top two as well. So those guys are all kind of on the bubble, but we're not quite willing. Like Simon did just rattle off two wins. That's why he's jumping right up to third place. He is now in very hallowed ground. Top three in these power rankings is no, is no joke. Like you got, you can't forget that Chris and Rick, like how good they are um, and how consistent they are. So 
But the don't worry, those positions are not like set in stone. They can be shifted if things change. Uh, but that's where that's where we're at for now. Feel free to debate in the comments. Um, you know, that's that's what these are about. You know, we would like to see the input, but that's where we're at. FPO, um, we're gonna stay exactly the same with FPO. Kristen Page, Cat, Val, Missy for the top five. Kristen being first, obviously. Um, now, Val and Cat is probably the only one that's a little interesting. Val obviously having one. They both have two wins on the season now. Uh, however, head to head, Cat has just been too dominant over Val. That that was kind of the deciding factor on that. Um, so that is kind of where, that's that's where the power rankings are sitting for now. Nothing else really seems like it needed to change. Um, but the MPO we realize is getting very it's getting very difficult. It started out very easy. It is now starting to get very difficult. Simon is really throwing a wrench into things. So we'll see if next week he can capitalize and and push into the top two. I think. Um, it's definitely getting a little vulnerable up there, but that, that's where we sit for now. So deal with it. It's deal our power it. rankings. You can make up your own. No, but uh, in the comments, let us know what you think. You know, who's our, is there anybody we're missing out of the top 10 or the top five for FPO that you think Go should ahead be and in just there? Just let out all your anger on Hunter and Trevor. Well, yeah, I mean, we, we have, I'm on your side. Whatever you just wrote mm. in the comments, I'm with you. Yeah. We like, I hate them. We like Unless to hear you input. love them, and I love um, them. <laughs> we do like we do have a system. Like we have numbers that we're using for these, but a lot of it what we found out this year is like look at all the other world rankings and look at those top twenties, top thirties, and tell me you don't find a problem with them. Like you're yeah. gonna find a problem. So numbers aren't always the perfect solution. Sometimes you just need to have gut feelings. Um We have been taking those as fact, I feel like, but like they're just also yeah, people coming it's like, up with them. Because it's like sometimes something so. happens that you just don't have in the math, right? Like, oh, Simon won back-to-back. Like, is there a back-to-back multiplier in your numbers? Like, yeah. is that a thing? But it should be probably, right? So, like, there are things that you sometimes just have to have gut feelings on. Um, and, it, and it makes it a little more flexible. So, yeah, that's the power rankings. What is this, week three of power rankings? I have no idea. I don't know. I think I think it's week three, maybe week four. But um, maybe week four. Yeah, that's that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up for this week. Um, you know, we had no hunter this week. Let us know how it went, um, or don't. Honestly, if you're <laughs> gonna hurt don't my feelings, be mean, don't be mean to hunter though. He'll, yeah, he'll be. They're more likely to be mean to hunter. No, than you, so. no, hunters hunters on a well deserved vacation. Leave a leave a bunch of comments. You better be you think, careful. Do you think He's hun- gonna get mad at you. Do you think you hunter's gonna to make do. it this far in the podcast to listen to it? Yes. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> Anyways, there will be no preview show this week because it's a Silver Series next weekend. It's the Beaver State Fling. Uh, pr- pretty cool uh, Silver Series. Beaver State Fling is a really cool event. If you've never really watched that, if you're new to disc golf because it got canceled last year, um, go check out some old Beaver State Fling coverage. There's some. It's some really cool courses that they play. I believe they're going back to Milo, I would assume. Where's um, that at? Oregon. Oregon. Yep. Okay. Yep. Staying up there. Uh, so no preview show, but we'll be back next Monday. Um, and, and maybe next Monday we'll start our preview of some random seats here that we make yeah, a deal about. Yeah. We mentioned doing that, um, like doing a preview for a random event. If the Hunter would be way too good at that. So we got, yeah, wait we got to wait for Hunter. So we'll be back in a normal setup next week. We'll see you then. Love you. Bye.